Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, thanks for joining me again. Nice to have you along. I want to cover off a really important topic today, which is a bit of an overview of your different marketing channels, the options there that you can use and adopt to grow your business in the HR sector. And it's really important because to give you some context, when I work with clients, so at the moment I'm working with clients in, gosh, Europe, US, Australia, of Africa, and obviously they're all in different sectors or divisions within the HR sphere, but they're always HR related. So whether that's employee engagement or recruitment or general HR, etc., HR tech, there's always that theme running through them all of the HR aspect. And so when we start, we always start with the onboarding assessment and that looks at various aspects as the target market, what are the service offerings, how do they package the offerings, things like that. But there's an element in there that looks at what are their talents and strengths and capabilities and resources that feed into the marketing stuff. So if it's a larger firm, for instance, in the uh, HR tech sector, then you might have designers, writers, sometimes videographers, things like that. And so it's a case of working out what resources are available, how we're going to use those to feed into the marketing channel. For the either startup or solo consultants in the HR sector, they're not going to have onboard designers and writers and things like that. So that will shape their plan in terms of the marketing stuff. And then also across all of that um, is budget. So what budget's available? Is it not going to spend any money? So it's all going to be non-fee paying or non-spend marketing. Or if it's a larger business, then if there is budget, then how are you going to allocate that? So I want to sort of look at some of the channels available because when I work with clients, this is the next step. We actually go, right, well, Let's work through all the different options that are available in marketing. And we, we look at it from a perspective of, are you any good at that? Do you want to do that? Do you think that's something you want to do now or later? What are the strengths, etc.? Because not everything is applicable to everything. Years ago, when I was starting out, I just kind of assumed that there were set methods for everyone. And these days people say, oh, you just have to do LinkedIn and that's all you do. Or you just do cold email or you just do speaking. I've realized that marketing works so much better when you connect it with the strengths and desires and abilities of the business you're dealing with. So with my clients and the way I work with businesses in the accelerator program that I run with them, we shape it according to what you want and how you best deliver your marketing outcomes. Uh, because that's how you just get the best results. So that said, that's the context, the background to it. Um, I'm going to run you through a few broad categories and then I'll give you a bit of a, a a summary or a bit of an explanation for each one. So I categorize them as advertising, business development, content, email, networking and referrals, paid promotion and social media. Now, social media is is kind of obvious. Um, so I won't go into that too much detail, but that is posting stuff on LinkedIn, um, commenting on LinkedIn, contacting people via in-mail messages on LinkedIn. So that sort of LinkedIn side of things where you're not spending money as such. Then you've got um, starting a YouTube channel and posting videos, Facebook, so posting content or commenting in groups and things like that. Uh, and Facebook also has sort of contacting people via messages and things, stuff like that. So I'm not going to go into that too much detail because that gets covered a lot and I'll do that again sometime. 
But let me go to business development. So this is what people often think about when they first start a business. They think of business development and or network and referral. So in the business development side, there's stuff such as having a stand at exhibitions and trade shows. And obviously that is typically a little bit expensive and it's a bit hit and miss. So if you're gonna do that, if you're a larger business, then you need a strategy. Uh, I typically recommend having some reason to opt in. And it's not just having sweets or lollies available or um, free t-shirts, cause you just get people coming around collecting freebies off you and then walking away. What you want is to have some solid reason to capture people's details that you can send them really useful information later. And so there's a bit of a script I use for that kind of stuff, but it can be effective, but it is expensive at times. The next one in there is account-based marketing. So that's directly contacting ideal clients. And it kind of overlaps a bit later on with email, but that is a, a more manual process. You're gonna be using Sales Navigator in LinkedIn to research your ideal clients. And Sales Navigator in LinkedIn is fabulous because you can type in location, business headcount, job function, job titles, keywords, and you can really narrow things down. You can then follow them as leads and see what they post on LinkedIn or whatever it may be and, and like and comment and then gradually get to know them or book calls, things like that. So it's more labor intensive, but that's how you win the Coca-Cola or McDonald's accounts, you know, the big, the big fish or the whale contracts. PR, so that's public relations or press, getting press coverage. That's also within business development side of things. Typically, you'd, you'd spend money on doing that or it's labor intensive. It's not just an, an easy do-it-yourself quite ill. Some people have the knack for it, don't get me wrong, but realistically, you would either engage a PR person to manage some of this stuff or an agency. Then they have some great ideas. Some really great stuff comes out of it, but typically that would be for a larger business that has a little bit of money to put behind it and some resources to help make stuff happen. And the last one there in the um, business development category is traditional old school offline marketing. And that can work really well. That could be you've got a, a database or a list of contacts or some clients or a large list of clients, and that could be sending them gifts. Christmas is, is um, it's, all, it's a bit cliche. I, I guess everyone's just sort of sending stuff because they have to maybe. But I know a business that they put effort in at Easter time, for instance, they go around giving Easter eggs and nice little bags and maybe a bottle of wine with that and a nice note to say, look, it's great working with you or thanks for being part of our network, that kind of stuff. That works really, really well for them. So that's you know your classic old school stuff, but not everything has to be online. Now, I mentioned a different category, which is networking and referrals, and that's kind of connected to this business development side of things. And so that can include paid networking events. Um, so hosted by industry bodies, whether that's in the HR sector or uh, by manufacturing sector or financial services, whatever it may be, but there are paid networking events you can go to. That's one of the reasons, by the way, why I'm so sort of strict on the onboarding process when I work with clients that we work on who you help, what are your, your um, use cases and pain points that you solve for people so that when you go to networking events, you don't do what I used to do and stand on the wall and then someone says to you, what do you do? You go, oh, I just kind of do HR consulting stuff, you know. You need to be really clear on how you help people. I don't mean a big snazzy sales pitch that sounds like you're, you know, um, some sales trainer. Just a natural flow, but it's so much easier when you know what you're going to say and, and what you're talking about. So that's why we spend effort and time on that aspect. Um, another one in the networking referrals bit is speaking on external webinars and podcasts. Um, so yeah, that's an, an excellent channel, getting the word out there about yourself. Obviously, it's tricky. I know for my own podcast, I'm getting contacted by large companies, small companies all the time to come on and speak 
And so, you know, there's there's certain tricks of the trade to get on there because yeah, it's a crowded market. So you need to plan your your approach there, but absolutely you can work. Getting more referrals. So that's one of the, the top methods for any business anywhere of getting new clients. It's just having a proactive process in place for that. Um, so I use a top 40 list uh, where we put influences and work out a plan of how we contact and connect with them in a proactive way. Um, so that you're not just leaving stuff to chance because yes, most businesses will start by getting referrals as their main channel of getting new leads and sales and stuff, but you don't want that to be happening by accident. You, you do want to put some thought behind it. So that's an important area. And then the last bit in the networking and referrals uh, category is attending offline events. So just getting out there and meeting people. Now on the paid promotion, different category, uh, I've got it separate to advertising because it's a bit different, but paid promotion is paying to speak on industry webinars. So there are all kinds of uh, groups, uh, industry associations in the HR sector and in each industry uh, category. But there are many, many opportunities where you can pay money to host a webinar through their audience. And that gets, it's expensive, but if you know your numbers, uh, it can work absolutely. I know plenty of businesses that do this. There are a few tricks or processes you need to work through like i would never say go on and give it a webinar talk spend five grand to do it or a thousand or ten thousand whatever it is i would say don't do that unless you've worked out your topic first and tested it to know that it's going to perform well because not everything uh, not all topics are equal so if you think of the 80 20 rule 20 percent of your topics will get 80 percent of the interest and you flip that around you're going to have a lot of topics that are not going to get a lot of attendees. So you might spend a lot of money thinking, wow, I'm going to get hundreds of attendees who are in my ideal target market. And yeah, they might show up because their boss gave them time off to go and watch a webinar. Great. Um, but does that turn into business for you? So there are processes that you need to think about before doing that. Another pay promotion uh, aspect is the sponsored content. So SHRM and CIPD and RE and all these sort of industry bodies in the different countries for the HR industry, sorry. They all have you know magazines, websites, etc. And there's a whole uh, HR newsletter industry as well where you can be running sponsored content. So here's our ebook, here's our webinar, here's our special event. Please download it, attend it, consume it, whatever it may be. But you're gonna pay for that. Same as the webinar thing that I mentioned before, you, you gotta work out, will a topic convert? Will it actually um, attract interest from your ideal people and get them to convert? The next one on the paid promotion is affiliates and paid referral programs. And that's a huge channel. And I've done that personally elsewhere uh, and turned it into, we're talking millions of dollars in this case, uh, in terms of uh, referred revenue. So it can be really, really powerful. And most HR tech businesses will have an affiliate program whereby consultants, recruiters, trainers, all within the HR sector can refer employers as clients onto their uh, software platforms and get paid either an upfront or a trailing commission or a combination. So um, that's certainly an option in terms of marketing channels to consider and it can work well. The big thing that people forget when they start an affiliate program or referral program, it's easy to set one up, but it's hard to get people to promote when there are so many options out there. So you need to have a plan that says, well, how are we gonna encourage people to uh, promote the product or service? and help them do that and help them make sales. Um, so there are some businesses that do it really, really well. Uh, some of them have been on my podcast, um, 
but there are definitely tricks of the trade to that one. And then the last one I've got in paid promotion is sponsoring events. So um, there are events on any topic, whether that's in the HR sector or not. So you might have financial services, might be having a meetup or a get together. They might be looking sponsors to cover the costs of the food and drink or whatever. You could sponsor that and get your name on the slides and then the brochure or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, there are opportunities there. I'm not a big fan of sponsoring events because you don't get a great deal of exposure, but if you're going to sponsor something, I would be saying, well, negotiate that you get to speak. Um, so you are one of the speakers or maybe you do the welcome address, um, or you can have a flyer on seats or whatever it may be, but don't just have it as a logo and a, um, we thank the sponsors type stuff. That's not, not good enough. It's great for Coca-Cola and McDonald's with their mega budgets that they don't really care about what happens at the end because it's just branding. You, you need to be a bit more, um, I don't know, targeted for that. Now for advertising, there are all sorts of options uh, and businesses in the HR sector, they use all of these. Um, the first of, of course is um, online advertising with Google ads. So that's search or remarketing. So search is if someone goes to Google, they type in reward and benefits consulting firm in Atlanta. Then if that's what your business is and you're in Atlanta, then your business would show up as a Google ad there. Remarketing is when someone visits your website and they click away, they leave, which is what happens in most of the situations. Most people leave websites and don't necessarily take action. So remarketing is when the ads follow you around the internet. You might browse a clothes shopping site to buy some new shoes or something. Uh, there'll be your ad there alongside. So that's called remarketing and, and both work well. And I'll do a separate episode on those because there's a lot that goes into it. But one good thing about search is that it allows you to appear very quickly while you're doing other marketing channels or processes and let them slowly build up steam. So if you're going to do some business development and attend events and things like that, you could have Google ads running in the meantime until that picks up steam and you know refine it as you go, increase your budget, decrease it, etc. But you've got a lot of flexibility. Facebook ads, so yeah, a lot of businesses would advertise on Facebook. Facebook's a different scenario because it's not keyword based, it's demographics based and it gets better over time. You can choose business owners or human resources, professionals, recruitment, etc. And it's got wonderful tracking and metrics. So you just need to know your numbers with Google or Facebook or LinkedIn, YouTube, etc. You need to know if you're gonna spend $100, does that mean you're gonna get 100 clicks? And of those 100 clicks, how many will turn into a call booked or a meeting booked or a ebook requested, that sort of thing? You don't just send them to a homepage of your website and hope that they give you a call because that's not the way it works. You do need to have a, a flow mapped out. You need to have an idea of the numbers you can accept and then you track that over time and make changes. So Facebook ads, yeah, can work really well. Facebook also has remarketing. So there's ads that follow you around on Facebook and you will have seen that anytime you clicked on an ad on Facebook, you probably have seen that ad follow you up later on. So it can work really well, you just gotta think it through. So same with YouTube ads. YouTube, you can have ads that show up on certain topics, keywords, a bit like Google, but you can also have them running against other videos on the same topic and you can have remarketing as well. So I, I do know some businesses that YouTube is one of their main channels. And so they will only run YouTube ads and typically they would run that to a webinar. So not just, hey, please call me or please buy my stuff, but it's to a training session that people opt in for because then they get to know and like and trust you. And that's when they subsequently book a call 
or purchase. Again, there's a process flow you need to be careful of or mindful of, but that can work. And then finally, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a tough one. Large businesses would advertise on LinkedIn, and the reason for that is they have a higher purchase value, let's say, a lifetime customer value, and they've got budget to play with, to be honest. But LinkedIn, it's a much higher cost per click. So as soon as someone clicks on your ad, you're going to pay, I don't know, 3 to $8 US for that, just for the click. And you don't know what they'll do next. Will they request your ebook and join your mailing list? Will they book a call or will they just disappear? And statistically, in terms of the numbers, yeah, they'll typically disappear. So you just need to know, well, if I'm going to spend this much money and this many clicks, the performance rate will be very, very low. However, the few that do get through because it's LinkedIn and because my targeting is so focused on CEOs or HR directors of of Fortune 500 companies, will that still pay the bills later on? So it's a very different prospect to Google ads or Facebook or YouTube. So it's a lot more expensive and stuff, but you may land whales, big accounts as a result. So you need to go in with your eyes open on that one. In terms of advertising, as I mentioned earlier, you've got other HR media. There are plenty of websites and opportunities to advertise, both in locations or by streams, etc. So lots of options. That comes down to budget and appetite for testing because it takes time to, to perfect what your offer is and how you're going to present that as an ad. So some of the other categories, we've got content. You've already know a fair bit about this, I'm sure. So you've got um, written thought leadership. You've got audio stuff, whether that's podcast, videos, hosting an online conference. I've done that. It's a lot of work. But for the one I ran for HR consultants, that was about a thousand attendees and 40 speakers and stuff. So, you know, big impact and opens a lot of doors and stuff. So that can be quite powerful. Just mindful. It's a lot of work. SEO. So search engine optimization. That is in the content category. In the past, it was all about having backlinks and having the meta tags in the right places and stuff like that. That's all still hugely important. Link building is still hugely important, but the content part is just becoming bigger and bigger and more and more important for SEO. Because it's so crowded, there's so much content produced out there getting found by Google for your blog post or whatever the content is that you have. It takes more and more work. There are companies that spend a big chunk of their marketing budget just on SEO. I know this for a fact. So if you want to compete with them, you you will have to spend money to do that. That's why, for instance, Google AdWords is the way of getting around that. You can sort of just bypass it and appear at the top of the page for the search results, but you'll have to pay for that. Uh, Otherwise, you use some of the other methods that we've gone through in the other categories. Video, obviously, is a big aspect. Personally, I don't watch a lot of video. I don't have much time. So I know that everyone says produce more video content and put it on LinkedIn, but I, I, I don't do that. I listen to a lot of podcasts because I can be listening as I'm you know, driving, picking up kids or um, cooking dinner. Who, who knows? There are ways that I can listen to content easier than I can watching video. So test it. If you think you prefer doing video content, my advice is do that, but try and extract some of the written versions of it so you can use it in a written format as well and or turn that into audio content as well and the last couple I've got here that we normally look at is engineering as marketing and that's where you have some sort of you know like an online tool or resource or something whereby people will opt in use your tool or whatever it may be which brings them into your database and you can then market to them later on so that's going to be a more in depth or you'll need to spend some money and time and some tech help to get that done so that's typically a larger business 
But an example of that might be a large recruitment firm that says put in your job title, location, stuff like that, and it produces a salary benchmarking range, something like that. Or if you've got data on particular industries, it can pick and choose and extract data uh, or free self-assessments in the psych world. You know, That's an example of engineering as marketing. So it's a tool, an online tool, as opposed to just straight up content that you download and read. And then the last one is deep dive articles. That's where, you know, years ago when you're writing blogs and blog posts, it just had to be short and sweet, a little 500 words or something on a particular topic and Google would love it and it would rank you for it. These days, deep dive articles are really important and they're often called pillar content, as in the pillar that holds up the house. And this is where you do a deep dive into a topic and ex uh, explain how you solve a problem, the steps involved, some of the proof and things like that. And they're really powerful because they can be like a sales process. If you're anything like me, you don't really enjoy having lots of sales calls with a salesperson who's trying to convince you to buy something. I'd rather read it, watch a video, listen to something about it, and then talk to someone at the very end. So a deep dive article can kind of cover some of that off. Case studies are examples of something related to deep dives, but this one is more of an educational thing and less of a sales thing, but it does the same job. So that's a really powerful way of using content. So how are we doing here? We've got email, I think is the last category. Email, just three areas in this one. There's outbound, which is cold email. That's contacting people out of the blue. I'm not gonna go into the legalities of it, um, but it still goes on. And if you're gonna do it, then there's processes, procedures you need to follow, both from a legal perspective and just a tech perspective. You don't use your own email address. You set up a different domain name. You need to warm up the email address. Uh, and then on the legalities, having, um, company name, address, and the, um, the option to opt out and how you do all that sort of stuff. So it certainly happens. Then the big bit is what do you actually send in that message? So that comes down to split testing and really thinking through the why and what's in it for me, for that person, as opposed to what's in it for you. So that's really important. So cold email can work. Absolutely. I've done much of it and got business from it. It's not like you're just trying to sell pharmaceutical drugs from some made up email address. You're contacting a person who you think has got a particular HR problem and you say, well, I've got an HR solution for that. Personally, I, I like it in those emails because it helps me fix a problem. So cold email doesn't necessarily need to be bad. It's just got a bad reputation, I guess. On the inbound side, the classic is the email newsletter and that can be really powerful. You're building up your database. Again, that's why in the onboarding deep dive or the assessments that I do with new clients, I try to work out what are your strengths and preferences because some people are really, really good at writing email newsletters. They're not just, here's another bunch of articles that I put together and then sent them off. They tell stories or they bring things to life. Others are not so good. So I wouldn't just rely on, here's our weekly or monthly newsletter, please subscribe because that will not get anywhere. So you do need to give some thought about how you're going to do that. And then the last bit on the email is inbound automated email sequences. So uh, when someone joins your mailing list, how can you provide them with information automatically and follow-ups to either educate them, to sell your services to them? And can you do that in a way that is segmented according to their needs or use cases or industry? And can you do it in, in a clever way that perhaps relates to what did they click on? What did they visit? How long since they did something? Make it a bit more smart. And that's really, really powerful because that's where you're getting into the, the realm of selling while you're not even there. You know, the 24-hour salesperson, you might be sitting on a beach and someone has just received an email from you that has convinced them to buy your services or work with you.
that stuff can be really, really powerful and well worth looking into. So what have we covered? We covered advertising, business development, content, email, networking and referrals, paid promotion and social media. I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted going through all of that list. But that's the kind of stuff we do in the onboarding and the deep dive assessment at the start. The key to all of that is it's a long list, right? So you don't do it all. You work out, well, what's going to be best for me, for our business? What are we good at? And let's pick and choose. So typically what I would do in building out a 90-day plan is we break it out into a few sections. Is the conversion side, let's get a few things in place so that we don't waste any visitors and traffic we get. Next is what unpaid stuff are we going to do? Then what paid stuff are we going to do? And sometimes that's none, sometimes that's a lot. And then lastly, what stuff do you think, "Mm, interested, but we're going to do it later on because we don't want to overwhelm ourselves. We want to get some quick wins and really make progress, but we can't do everything at once because we'll mess it up. So let's work out what are we going to do best, enjoy and what's going to bring in results and help us build up steam over time. I hope that helps. I will go into a bit of a deep dive on other, um, you know, on aspects within this, such as Google ads or whatever it may be. Let me know which ones you want me to cover but I thought it'd be helpful to get a bit of an overview and a, a summary of some of these areas. I hope that helps. I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.